Alright, Chavez, since we are moving over to France for the French Open slash Roland Garros, I thought, as, you know, our resident French speaker, I would teach you some French terms. Okay, Josephina, I'm sure your high school French classes certainly make you a French expert, but go for it. <laughs> okay, the first term is un as. What do you think that means? Um, in English or in French? Well, French, of course. Um, I don't know. Uh, a set? Eh, wrong. It means ace. It's literally spelled the same. A-C-E. Well, I can see we have a long way to go. Welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for tweens, teens, and other young tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravia. Shravia and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics, united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more. Today is September 26th, and it's not only the day that we record our Roland Garros preview episode, it's also the first time Shavi and I have seen each other since we started this podcast. Yeah, we had our first tennis lesson together in a while today, um, and it was the first time we saw each other in person, as Josefina said, since we started Hold On To Your Racket, so it is a momentous day. Also, as we approach the second, no, sorry, the third Grand Slam of the year, second Grand Slam since the restart, uh, we want to give you guys a little preview of some of the hot headlines that have taken over the tennis world in the past couple of days. So, first of all, is Roland Garros' decision to um, allow fans onto the event site. So, the issue that people are having with this is that public health officials in France have noted that um, Paris has been designated as one of France's 42 red zones. And a red zone is an area in France where there are greater than 50 new cases per 100,000 people in the past week. There's a strain on hospitals, and it's close to other areas with high infection rates. So the tournament initially planned to have 11,500 fans on site per day, and they had divided the grounds into three zones based on the three different stadium courts. And fans were going to be confined within their zone and not allowed to move around. However, recently the French Tennis Federation limited fans only on Court Philippe Chatrier and only 5,000. But two days ago on the 24th, due to updated guidance from um, the government on holding outdoor events, they capped the total number of spectators at 1,000. So it has significantly gone down. I think initially it was even closer to 20,000. But... While masks and social distancing are required, people are skeptical as to why players were wary of competing in the U.S. Open, which had strict guidelines, but are fine with attending the French. And I know that Victoria Azarenka commented on this. Yeah, she said, if it's only on one court where fans are allowed, I think it's going to be a little bit weird for other players. I don't know why they're trying something new, because obviously we already had one Grand Slam in front of us at the U.S. Open, where it seemed like things worked out well with spectators prohibited. I guess we always need to try something new for no reason. So she's not really happy with this 
decision as are other players because obviously there's the health concerns. This is a huge and risky move considering the time that we are in now. So more stuff about the time we are in now. Some more <laughs> Benoit Pair confusion. We are so sorry about the amount of times we mentioned Benoit Pair on our podcast, but his drama just never stops. Yes. The first one, like, of his little instances was when he tested positive at the U.S. Open. Then he tested negative, but he was still forced to withdraw. So then after that, at the Hamburg Open, he had two positive tests and one negative test, but was still allowed to play. So obviously this decision is a little, like, iffy, because if he had two positive tests to one negative test, it doesn't really make sense, but... Here we are. The ATP and the tournament defended the decision following the medical evaluation, saying, according to tournament doctor Dr. Volker Carrero, it is not uncommon that three weeks after a positive result, fragments of the virus can still be found inside the body. Pear has not shown any symptoms of disease and has not been contagious at any time. Local health authorities in Hamburg make the decision on Saturday that Pear is allowed to play. So Pear obviously thanked the Hamburg tournament for letting him play, but he has been losing and or retiring recently due to feeling quote-unquote tired. This happened in the Western and Southern Open in the first round and in Hamburg. So he said he was not sure if he'd be allowed to play in the Roland Garros because of this testing little scandal. But Roland Garros has allowed him to play because he tested negative. So that's a victory for him, but it's still kind of confusing. It is confusing, and um, I mean, we're not doctors, so we can't really comment on that, but it is definitely strange to see positive test results and being allowed to play and inconsistencies in test results. But we do not fret. We have even more positive test result drama for you now. Yes, don't worry. <laughs> we talked about Damir Jumer in the last episode, and since then, Fernando Verdasco um, has also had a little coronavirus situation, but this time he himself tested positive. So he wrote on Twitter a few days ago that two days before play began, begins at Roland Garros um, that he had COVID-19 in August and didn't have symptoms, and he um, said that he had negative test results since then until he tested positive this week. So... You know, Verdasco has played in 67 consecutive Grand Slam tournaments until missing this year's U.S. Open. So, obviously, now being forced to withdraw from Roland Garros and not attending the U.S. Open, this is definitely weird for him. So, you know, once Verdasco tested positive in Paris, he asked for another test because he thought it was a false positive since he's been tested as negative for so long, but the tournament didn't allow him to. And... Verdasco claims that he took tests on his own later and tested negative every time. So, confusing situation there. Um, Don't really know what's happening with that, but clearly there are certainly controversies that always happen in terms of test results and um, allowing players to play or making them withdraw from these tournaments because of them. Now we can move on from coronavirus drama, though, because it's getting a little confusing and seems to be happening at every tournament it's a lot of a lot to keep up with let's talk about something different josephina yes this is actually very very quite different 
the Babylon balls that the Roland Garros, well, I guess Roland Garros, the French Open, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> the Babylon balls that they usually have are being replaced this year by Wilson balls. So this is really big because apparently these Wilson balls are this special type of tough texture and they move super slow on clay because you know clay is already a slow surface so having these balls it's gonna just like put the entire tournament in slow motion i know josephina you said uh, the babylon balls used to be a lot faster but i know you told me yesterday a funny joke about these new slow balls in in terms of when the tournament's gonna end oh yes so apparently with these new wilson balls i'm predicting that the tournament ends in november <laughs> Plus, with all the rain delays that are bound to happen with these wacky weather conditions in the fall. Yeah, I mean, usually Roland Garros is played in the middle of the summer, but now here we are in what September, almost October, and obviously it's cold. I've seen plenty of social media posts by players saying, like, "Oh, it's really windy. It's rainy," and everybody. I don't know if you've seen, but everybody practicing is wearing long sleeves. I found that so <laughs> funny because usually they're so wearing weird. short sleeves. Yeah, some players have commented on these new balls with Dominic Team. Obviously, we know him as the U.S. Open champion and two-time Roland Garros finalist. He said that he really likes the Babolat balls because they were nice and fast, and he also said that they were great for Rafael Nadal too. Um, and he did say that since these balls are slower, they are going to change the results of certain matches and how they go for sure. And the King of Clay himself also commented on these new balls. He said the organizers need to take a look on that for the next couple of years for the health of the players too. Because the ball is super heavy, sometimes becomes dangerous for the elbow and the shoulders. And he said he does not think it's a good ball to play on clay. So obviously... The slower weather conditions um, or the slower court conditions brought upon by the weather and this new ball doesn't seem to be suiting Nadal's game perhaps as well as the Babolat ball used to. Yeah, even Daniel Medvedev, the fourth seed this year, he has never won a match at Roland Garros. Every three times he's been there, he lost in the first round. He said, maybe it can help me since it's a bit colder so the balls don't fly. And he said, don't go as spinny. (laughs) So maybe I can play some flat tennis in practices. I think it could be an opportunity for me, actually, an advantage. Yeah, so while maybe Team and Nadal don't really like the balls as much, maybe it could help Medvedev. True. All right, now let's talk a little bit about the actual tournament. Diving into our draw analysis section, we're going to go over the ATP singles draw. So first up, we have our favorites. These are Djokovic, the current number one, and he is undefeated except for that one little default incident you may have heard of we're gonna pocket that away because we've already had so much drama with benoit pair discussed on our podcast we can't afford to dive back into Djokovic drama <laughs> the next one is rafael nadal the 12-time roland garros champion if he wins this he will be tied with Federer for most grand slams titles on the men's side so that would be huge and after that we have tm the two-time roland garros finalist he is the Prince of Clay and the current U.S. Open champion. So he has some momentum going into this tournament. Some dark horses are 
Hugo Humbert, or I like to say Ugo Umbert. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea how to pronounce his name. But he beat Medvedev in the Hamburg Open, who was the number one seed. And he has been playing great tennis on clay since. So he's definitely somebody to look out for. And he is a Frenchman, so this is his home court. So that might add some, I don't know, some fire to his playing. Some mojo, some... some- Wilson tennis ball vibes. No, Babylon tennis ball vibes. Excuse me. How <laughs> dare opposite. I mess How dare I mess up the brand? And another one we have is actually Christian Guerin. He is a Chilean 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 Chilean, Chilean <laughs> tennis player. And he had a great run at Hamburg which happened very recently. Actually, it's still going on now and he made it to the semis. And finally, we have Casper Ruud. He beat Fognini in Hamburg, and he made it to the semis also, and he also beat Berrettini and Kachanov in Rome. So these are all players to look out for when we're looking at the Roland Garros draws. And notice that all those players are kind of like those next-gen young players, so they're really making some strides um, in the ATP draw. Josephina. Making some waves. <laughs> um, Josephina, let's talk about a, a, some of like the hypothetical, well, a particular hypothetical meetup in this ATP draw that could prove to be decisive in terms of who's going to end up taking the trophy. Yeah. So just remember, these are super hy- hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be easy for these people to get to the finals or even the semis, given the weird conditions. Yeah. So we have a team versus Nadal semifinal hypothetical meetup. So if Djokovic continues his sort of undefeated streak to the finals, team has a chance of beating Djokovic there because team has done well against Djokovic on clay before. So, and that includes the French Open. So this could be a chance for team to take his second slam. So that would be really big. Yeah, I think people are talking a lot about Nadal and Djokovic as the favorites, but I think they have to realize, like at least with Nadal especially, these conditions don't really suit his game as well as he'd like. And Team seems to be someone who also feels comfortable on clay, and while he also said he doesn't like the new conditions, maybe the momentum of his US Open win could prove to be beneficial. Um, all right, let's talk about the WTA draw. How does that sound? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Okay, so for our favorites, we're going to talk firstly about Simona Halep, obviously. We talked about her last episode when she won the Italian Open, and she's been having a great season, and even since the restart, that's been the similar situation, and she's only stayed on clay since the restart she won in Prague and in Rome, so that's probably, uh, well, certainly proving to be beneficial for her since she seems to have found her clay legs faster than some of the other players have. Similarly, Alina Svitolina is also known for her clay court success, and her recent win in Strasbourg, winning the whole title, is going to be a big confidence boost because she did lose in Rome, um, but this is also going to help her going into the French Open. And also, Karolina Pliskova, uh, she reached the finals in Rome, and she hasn't been having you know as much success as the Grand Slams, at least in the U.S. Open, so... Even though she was injured in the finals of the Italian Open, it does seem like her injury is getting better. Um, and obviously, you could throw Azarenka, Serena, and even Muguruza into the mix of the favorites because um, the WTA draw 
favorites do extend a little bit. Um, for dark horses, we're going to discuss, firstly, a couple of Americans. Amanda Anisimova, last year's semifinalist. And Shelby Rogers, coming off a great U.S. Open run and who's also a former French Open quarterfinalist. So they could definitely make some strides in that first quarter. Um, and Rybakina, the young 21-year-old who just made the finals of Strasbourg, has also been having a stellar year. I guess you could call her as one of like the next-gen players, but on the WTA side. So she's definitely a force to be reckoned with. Lastly, as we kind of discussed the hypothetical of the semifinal in, uh, on the ATP side, if we look into a particular section of the draw on the women's side, and by that I mean Serena's section of the draw, that eighth, it is packed and could lead to some really, really tight and exciting potential matches. So aside from Serena, notable players like Victoria Azarenka, Yulia Putin-Seva, and Svetlana Perankova are all in that section. And whoever makes it through in this section might have to face Alina Svitolina in the quarterfinals. So this is a very competitive section in the draw. But even as we see competition looming in some later rounds, we also have some particularly exciting first-round matches. So Josefina, how about you introduce what our tiebreaker segment is and discuss some of your picks. Yeah, so our tiebreakers are where we pick some matches, one WTA, one ATP each, in order to choose a winner, a possible winner, and um, just give you some good matches to look out for. So our my ATP pick is Yannick Sinner versus David Goffin. So Sinner beat Tsitsipas recently. He was the number three seed in the tournament in Hamburg, and just this was a great win for Sinner. I think it's his first top 10 win, so that's always a huge win. And also, Sinner beat Goffin earlier this year in Rotterdam, so that was 7-6-7-5, so it was also a very good match. But I'm giving this one to Sinner because he has been having a lot of momentum recently. My next one is my WTA pick, which is Maria Sakari versus Alia Tomlanovic. Uh, Isla Tomjanovic, Josefina is, needs some practice on tennis names, but that was a hard one. Yeah. <laughs> Sakari is the 20th seed, and she's been having an amazing scene, season, especially since the restart. She's made deep runs at both the Western and Southern and U.S. Open, so she's definitely someone to look out for in this match. And Tomjanovic, she's also a good player that we've heard her name not really recently, but just consistently, I would say. So this, I think this is going to be a good match, but I'm going to give it to Sakari because she is the 20th seed and she's been doing amazing recently. Yeah, perhaps the um, first round match on the ATP side that is catching everyone's eyes, the Andy Murray versus Stan Wawrinka match. So you have heard of Josefina and I's Andy Murray fandom on the podcast before, even though we try to remain, try to keep our um, unbiased, fa- try to keep our you know fan favorites, uh, our our own favorites out of the way. Andy Murray is someone who we just can't, we can't hide our fandom for him. But we also love Wawrinka. So this match is a rematch of the 2017 Roland Garros semifinal, which was a four and a half hour five setter legendary match. And 
Quite ironically, following that match, Murray dealt with hip surgeries and problems for the next two years, and Wawrinka has also had two knee surgeries since then. So it's all it's pretty poignant that both of them are coming back after battling these injuries to meet at the same event again um, in the first round, and they've had to go through so much. They actually, funnily enough, practiced together a few days ago before the draws came out, which I thought was kind of cool looking back to. But to give you a little bit of background, their overall head-to-head is 12-8 Murray. Their Roland Garros head-to-head is tied with one win each, and their Graham Slant head-to-head is also tied at three wins each. So I'm just not going to pick a winner in this one because this is, I, I really don't know. This could either be a one-way traffic match where one player is not feeling it, Um, and the other player is, or it could be another thrilling one like we've seen from some of Murray's matches in the past couple of weeks. And with Wawrinka making his return to Grand Slam tennis, it's, you know, it's really going to be an exciting one, and I honestly can't make a pick right now. On the women's side, however, we just talked about a couple of veteran players on the ATP side, but my tiebreaker pick actually includes some young guns. So, my WTA first round tiebreaker is Iga Swiatek versus Marketa Vondrosova, and this is kind of the battle of the next gen WTA players. Vondrosova was last year's Roland Garros finalist, and she got to the semis in Rome uh, uh, just a couple weeks ago. And Swiatek is an up and coming Polish player, so she's only 19 years old. So I will be picking Vondrosova for the win just because of her consistently good results on clay. But I do think this is going to be an exciting match from, to watch and definitely a sign of what we're going to be seeing in the future on the WTA side. So going into the main draw, seeing who is actually going into the main draw, meaning the qualifiers, we have a bunch of interesting qualifiers, actually. The first one is Mayar Sharif. She's the first Egyptian woman to ever make the main draw of a slam, and she's going to face number two seed Karolina Pliskova in the first round. So that's going to be a difficult draw, but this is obviously historical. That's why we're saying she's someone to definitely look out for. Another notable um, WTA qualifier is Clara Towson. She's 17 years old from Denmark. People kind of describe her as the next Caroline Wozniacki. And she won the Australian Open Juniors in 2019. And she also has a tough draw facing Jennifer Brady in the first round. So that's obviously going to be exciting as well. I'm, again, not letting our bias get in in the way, but our bias getting in the way anyways. I am a huge Jennifer Brady fan. (laughs) And speaking about Americans, actually, some Americans that made it into the main draw after qualifying are Sebastian Corda, who has been, he's done pretty good at the U.S. Open and Western Southern, not something that has caught the headlines, but definitely someone who's been building their way up, and Jack Sock, who is coming back from a tough past couple of years, but he's qualified into the main draw, and what happens after is history. So moving on to our favorite segment, the tennis ball frizz quiz, which is where we do some trivia. And at the end of each major tournament, we round up and tally the points and we crown a tennis ball frizz quiz whiz. So Shravya, take it away. All right. So for our first Roland Garros 
tennis ball first quiz question. Um, mine is, which WTA player holds an open era record of seven Roland Garros titles to her name? A, Steffi Gruff, B, Serena Williams, C, Chris Evert, or D, Martina Navratilova? Um, I'm going to say Serena Williams. That's incorrect. Chris Everett holds the open era record of seven Roland Garros titles, which she won in a span of 13 years. So, okay, let's hear your question, Josefina. Okay. What or who is Roland Garros named after? Is it A, a French tennis player from before the open era? B, the name of a town in the outskirts of Paris? C, a famous pilot? Or D, a ruler of that area in the medieval times? Um, I think, uh, C, a famous pilot. Yes, that's correct. I feel like I read that before somewhere, but I wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, I guess we both learned something new. Or maybe you guys also learned something new about Roland Garros. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all updates on Roland Garros, upcoming tournaments, and all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions, and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at HOTYR underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released in a few days once round one matches are completed at Roland Garros, where we will provide you a recap of the first round. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Tom and Shravya's name is Bob. See you next time.